Welcome inside a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Steve Inman. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Chris Brito. The NBA preseason is winding down, so let's get to our annual All Hoops NBA Over-Unders. This week, we'll handle the Western Conference, and uh, we went over the East on our last show, so I recommend checking that out. And then Chris will, all, Chris and I will also pick our 10 playoff teams out of the West and then break down some over-unders we like most. Uh, we'll also discuss what the Giannis Supermax means for both the Bucks and other contenders. But before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how are you? What's up, Stevie? You know, happy to go over and under these these next few picks that we're going to make. Um, there are a few ones that I'm I'm kind of shocked about, uh, especially by you. Um, but I think we can both agree that the West is going to be a bloodbath. I think a few things are probably certain. The Lakers will be right now the favorites to emerge out of that eastern out of that western conference so i think it would be appropriate if we start our show with them so currently by vegas insider they're at 46 and a half wins i personally believe that they'll go over that i think they will be ready for a new year um they've added a few more interesting pieces and i totally see them going over that number um, I know there's probably concern that LeBron will probably rest a lot of games, but knowing that LeBron takes a lot of pride in showing up and being consistent, I totally see him, you know, being a part of this roster and really pushing the Lakers in the shortened season into one of the top records in the West. Yeah, Chris, I'm 100% with you. I'm really interested in getting in on that 46 and a half over with you after the show. Look, LeBron's going to sit some games, but LeBron always sits some games. He's not going to sit a significant more amount of games than he did before. Same thing with Anthony Davis. Now you have Montrez Harrell who could eat up some of those minutes and play a high, you know, effective role. They brought back pretty much the rest of those, you know, veteran supporting cast members like KCP. And I look, I really think, you know, they also brought in Dennis Schroeder. So they have the top two six men of the year guys from last year on this team now, along with LeBron and Davis. And look, yes, they're probably going to sit out a couple more games than they did last year, but I don't think it's going to be a big number. So I would definitely take the over on them, as you said. And then unlike the Lakers, the Clippers faced a lot of stretches last year where, you know, either Paul George was quote unquote injured or Kawhi Leonard was injured, but you know, a lot of them were rest days. Um, I don't anticipate that being an issue this year. I do think that the 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 Clippers will be much more motivated. I think that considering how their offseason went, considering all the reports that went out, I think we're going to see this team perform much better because I the biggest flaw wasn't exactly with the roster makeup. It was the chemistry or lack thereof that this roster was facing for most of the year. Um, and they eventually met their demise in the playoffs, where usually you, you're banking on that chemistry built during the season. Um, they're at 46 and a half, and much like the Lakers, I expect them to go over that number. And if anything, I expect I'm more confident in the Clippers beating that number than the Lakers. I, I'm of the belief that the Clippers will probably end up with the best record in the West. 
Yeah, Chris. Uh, it's interesting, but to me, I don't really see the Clippers changing their game plan than they did last year. I think they're going to rest Kawhi and Paul George plenty. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard is coming off of a very serious leg injury in Toronto that they kind of managed to, you know, load manage him throughout the season. I don't really see that changing this year, another year older. And at the end of the day, if they want to get back at the uh, the people who've been rid- ridiculing them for, you know, months now, they're not going to do it by winning the number one seed out West. They're going to do it by winning an NBA championship, getting into an NBA finals. And the best way to do that is to make sure George and Leonard are healthy and ready to go in the playoffs. And I don't think they really think the chemistry issues were a huge deal because they basically kept the same roster except they swapped Harold for Ibaka. So whether you agree with them or don't, and they, you know, they changed the coach, but you know, Tyron Lue was, you know, right next to Doc Rivers all year. So whether you agree with them or not, they don't really believe big changes were needed. And I'm inclined to agree with them. I think they're going to be right around this 46 and a half. I'm just confused how the Lakers dominate the playoffs. They get better. And you could say they are the same, you know, over under win total as, as the Lakers. Well, you could argue that they didn't need the Clippers didn't need much, but Ibaka was a, a very shrewd signing by the Clippers because he compliments that team a lot. You know, Ibaka is a shooter for a big man. And that complements the roster and the people they have around. Um, I don't know. I think the Clippers could surprise some people. I think they'll end up with the best record in the West. Um, but it remains to be seen what that what the new what they will do during the season in terms of rest. For for uh, comparison to last year, they did play seventy two games exactly last year. The same amount of games they're going to play this year. They won forty nine games. So to me. If you're right and they're not going to rest those guys as often, I would think 46 and a half is close to a lock to go up. We'll have to wait and see, though. Um, some other picks that I also like, um, I, the Denver Nuggets at 44 and a half. I expect the same sort of play from Jamal Murray that we saw in the playoffs. You know, he just really turned it up a notch. I see him carrying that over during this regular season and, you know, with – with with improvements with Michael Porter Jr., who was basically unleashed at the la- at the later end of the season, and plus Jokic, I see that roster take make take making another step. Um, I like the Blazers at forty one and a half, but the bigger team that I feel like we should talk about um, are the Rockets. The Rockets are facing a lot of questions. We alluded to that in the last episode where you know really James Harden's future is still in doubt and it doesn't seem like he's going to be suspended or traded anytime soon what can we expect out of this roster they're at 34 and a half game game wins um do you think assuming James Harden stays does this team easily beat that number or no yeah, Chris, I certainly understand the concerns with James Harden and the Houston Rockets. He comes into camp uh, late. He looks like he put on some weight. But at the same time, ever since James Harden got to Houston several years ago, he's been a walking playoff berth, Chris. And I don't really see why that would change now if he's 95% of the player we've seen. And look, as the season goes on, it's still a very long season, Chris. 72 games, still a very long season. I think he'll get back into shape. 
I think he will carry this team. And as long as he's there, I would think being 500 is more than doable. And look, the question just becomes, is he going to stay in Houston all year? That being said, that's the one bet I probably would not touch. Right, because we have no idea what he's thinking. We have no idea what the team's thinking. We don't know what these offers are. But the way I look at it is this. If you think James Harden is staying in Houston for the entire season, easily take the over. And if you think James Harden is being traded, I would take the under. That's fair. But, um, but real real quick for yeah, this. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Why would the Rockets trade James Harden? You think of it as he wants out. They have a chance to start over. They'll get some good young players. But you know what I found out, Chris? What if, did you find out? If the Rockets bottom this thing out and they're bad, they owe their pick to Oklahoma City in a pick swap. So they could actually lose their pick in a pick swap to Oklahoma City. But you're thinking to yourself, why does that matter? Because the Thunder are going to also be really bad. Well, the Thunder own Miami's pick, and they put in this deal with, with the Russell Westbrook trade. We're allowed to swap our pick with Houston's next year, or we're allowed to swap Miami's pick with Houston next year. So if James Harden gets traded, the Thunder are going to wind up with two five, to, you know, in the five to ten pick range, and they're going to build a glorious team overnight. Oh no! So you can't you can't trade him. You so can't. okay, so it definitely makes sense that Houston's not going to want to tank by all, at all there's, costs. There's but, no incentive. It'll just make them look way worse. But at the same time. Is there enough talent on this roster to get over 34 and a half wins anyway? Like, take out James Harden of the picture. Like, I don't think so. I don't, I don't see Cousins staying healthy and being much of a factor. You know, how many games is John Wall going to contribute? Remember when he was in Washington a few weeks ago, their GM Tommy Shepard talked about, we can't play him back-to-backs, we got to watch his minutes. You know, his speed is clearly there. It's it has, He's not lost his speed, which is very encouraging. But are you going to get 60 games out of him? I don't know if you can ask for 70. So I would say if James Harden's not there, it's going to be a struggle. Speaking of another wild card team, Stevie, you make many great points about Houston. But I would put the Mavericks in that category as well. You know, we're all taking it that Luka is going to make these huge leaps and bounds, be an MVP candidate. But, you know, he's not going to be without KP. Um, we, they just added Josh Richardson. I think we're all sort of assuming that Luka's going to make this jump. And I think we think that the Mavericks are going to make that jump along with him. So I'm not as confident in the Mavericks at at their current place at 42 and a half wins. I think it's going to be lower than that. Yeah, Chris, that is to me the toughest Western Conference team to evaluate right now. Because on one hand, you have Porzingis, as you said, He's not going to be there to start the season. On the other, you have to remember, Luka and Porzingis didn't really gel on the court the last time we saw them two together to start last year. And where where is Luka at, at this point of his career? He was an MVP candidate for most of the year last year. Does he take the leap into super, superstardom to start the year and carry this team by himself? And then if Porzingis comes back, do they actually take a step back with Porzingis because Luke is now having trouble incorporating him into the offense? I think long-term, they're going to work together very well, and this could be a, a sneaky dark horse for the NBA Finals. But I think you're right. I think they're going to have a little tough time getting out of the gate. How do they play without Porzingis? Then they have to adjust to playing with Porzingis again. And 
I, I don't know. 42 and a half is a, is a big number. They only won 43 games last year. You know, Steph, Seth Curry was a big part of this team. They traded him for Josh Richardson. I like Josh Richardson. I think he's going to fit, but I, they didn't really make a lot of big additions. So you, you're, you're picking the over. If you believe Luca goes from a top five to six ish player to a number one player in the game. And I think that's a lot to ask for, for a third year guy. And not only that, teams make adjustments. And, you know, as great as Luca has been, um, it's hard not to anticipate that coming this year. It's not to say that Luca won't surprise us. I think he's the only player that could probably jump into that range this year. Anyway, that's a team that I would also stay away from. Um, and, and real quick with them, Luca's been amazing, obviously. He averaged like 29. Yes nine and nine last year, almost a triple double, but he's been a little injury prone the first two years of his career. He missed double digit games both years. He only played 61 games last year. And if he goes down for a couple week period, a month, can they really survive without him or Porzingis for a few weeks? I mean, that's a lottery team I've ever seen one without those two guys. So if all of a sudden they lose those guys, even for a month, you know, I don't see how they're going to get to 42 wins. It's going to be too big of a hole to climb out of. Yeah. And that just puts a lot on Luca and KP's already always injured. So it's really going to be almost all on Luca. Luca's going to be a stats machine this year. I think there's no question about it. Yeah. Um, I wish I got him in fantasy. That was the guy I was targeting with the third pick. And um, with fat James one, Harden instead. One, <laughs> one quick thing, James, uh, James, uh, Steve, <laughs> do you think Dallas regrets making that deal with, with um kp what the the trade with the knicks well the trade with the knicks but also signing kp to that deal chris have you ever like won like any kind of like giveaway or like prize from somewhere like do you ever regret getting free stuff because i wouldn't you know i mean look they got a lottery ticket from the knicks for free and that lottery ticket could become a top 15 player he might become a top 40 player. It depends on what his injury situation allows. But if it doesn't work out, I'm sure there are five to six teams right now that would love to take on that contract and give Dallas back their assets they gave up and then some. And, you know, ask the Knicks if they uh, regret that deal because that, that's not your best question, my friend. Um, Dennis Smith was part of our run that got us a, a preseason win last night. So... A preseason win against the Cavs. That's where the Knicks are at. The, the Dallas Mavericks we're talking about as a potential finals candidate. That's all you need to know. Uh, let's let's talk about these playoff teams here in the West, Chris. I'm going to go first. My 10 playoff teams. I'm starting with the Lakers. We discussed. We think they're the, clearly the favorite. They're the defending champs. I think Denver, number two, they've shown an emphasis on regular season wins. They've been in this number two spot the last couple of years. Uh, again, I don't see them resting Jamal Murray and Jokic down the stretch to, you know, preserve them for the playoffs. I think they're all systems go. I'm very curious to see how they incorporate Michael Porter Jr. into this offense this year. Because if you remember, he wasn't really part of this team going into going into the season last year. So it's kind of crazy to think what he can do year, you know, in his next year here. Uh, number three, I'll pick the Clippers. We already talked about them. 
Four, I'm going with Utah. I think Donovan Mitchell was insane in that playoff series. And if he added a couple points to his scoring regimen in this loaded West, I think that can make a huge difference. I think he will. They got to figure out what they're going to do with Rudy Gobert sooner rather than later. Uh, Number five, Portland. Look, they were kind of a five-ish middle team for the last few years. And then everyone got hurt last year. They barely make it into the play-in game. And I think it's all systems go again. Lillard's an MVP candidate. McCollum's a great, you know, Robin to his Batman. They brought in some really interesting depth, which we both praised a lot. Um, I think they're the five. We we talked about Dallas. I think they're six. Houston was, as we said, the toughest one to to you know talk about because we don't really know what James Harden's situation is. I have them seven, assuming they're keeping him for the year at this point. Because again, you trade him. And we're talking about that net trade a few years ago where you're, you traded all those picks and you're just bottoming out now and it, it looks horrible and they're going to be killed for that. And you think this new owner, Tillman Fertitta, is going to deal with that? I tell you, he is not. I mean, you know, he still thinks you're, they should have gotten a superstar for Russell Westbrook. So uh, we'll see there. Uh, number eight, Golden State. Look, they lost Clay Thompson. I give uh, the Lakers credit for spending the money to go get Kelly Oubre, a $15 million, $18 million player, turned into close to $80 million in luxury tax for them. So I give them credit for going for it. I hope, you know, they're fun and Steph Curry can do it. But you know what? We talked about it. James Harden has been a walking playoff burst for Houston. Let's see Steph Curry do that. Let's see Steph Curry carry this team to the playoffs. As you correctly said, Chris, you know, Steph, and we'll get to it. Don't worry. But Stephen Curry, to me, has not done that yet. You saw last year, they had the worst record in basketball. And he missed most of the season, obviously. And we'll, we'll get to them. You're giving me faces already. Number nine, Phoenix. <laughs> Look, this is a team that would be thrilled to get into a playoff play-in game. Um, they, they trade for Chris Paul. I question whether Chris Paul is going to be as healthy as he was last year. He's missed significant time each of the last five years. Other than last year, the Thunder sell him at his highest point. Tell me if you've heard that before. And number 10, Memphis. Look, I think people are still sleeping on the Grizzlies. Tell me that John Morant's not going to get better. He's he's going to continue to evolve. He was the rookie of the year for a reason, the best rookie in this class. I think he's going to take another step forward this year as a franchise guard and Jaron Jackson's a little banged up. If not, I'd put them a little higher on this list. I like Brandon Clark, um, as you know. Jonas Valanciunas is a good vet. And there's enough pieces here that can be surrounded by John Morant to say this is a, a, a building block. This is a core foundation to make them a threat out west for many years to come. But that's my 10. Okay, I, I think I'm going to go with uh, the Clippers, number one. Uh, it's probably going to be a toss-up between the Nuggets and the Lakers for number two. Uh, Blazers for, I think that with a hurt, healthy, uh, Nurkic and, you know, a bunch of uh, pieces like Rodney Hood, uh, you have Carlo, Carmelo Anthony back. You're going to see this roster, you know, just be at the point where they're supposed to be rather than fighting for a playoff berth. I like them at number five, uh, sorry, at number four. Um, the jazz, the jazz, I think will, will, you know, keep being a consistent team, you know, expect Donovan Mitchell to keep playing lights out. I actually have the Suns higher than you do. There's just a lot of talented on the Suns roster. 
that I, I can't see them going lower than that. I mean, yeah, I don't see them going lower than that. The Mavericks, I think even without a healthy KP, Luka can lead at least lead them there and be interesting in the West. Uh, much, much to the same point that you were making about the Rockets, you know, if I'm expecting James Harden not to get traded, so every year that he's on a team, he just knows how to win, even if it's ugly. So I expect them to be at eight. Um, the Grizzlies, you know, they're just a very fun roster. They're what the Pelicans want to be. Um, and I, I just, I just, I just, I just see, I just see them playing better together one more year and having a healthy year with Zion. You know, they were fighting for a playoff berth last year, and now you have a full healthy year of Zion, which will make this team a lot more dangerous. Uh, you know, they also added Steven Adams. They're going to have to address the shooting problems, as you mentioned for the show. Uh, and then I think I'm going to go with. Um, yeah, I also you may have noticed that I include the Warriors here because I this is going to be a year where Steph Curry really has to prove prove it to me. He hasn't led a team to the playoffs without KD or Clay Thompson yet, and so I think this will be a very telling year in terms of Curry's legacy. You know, but you don't you think know. he's going to do it? You don't have him in your top I don't, ten. So I don't, you don't. I don't. I don't do it. I don't think they're going to do it. I think you're expecting a lot out of. Oubre, you're expecting a lot out of um, Wiggins. Wiggins, Draymond. Draymond. Draymond is another year older. Steph Curry, you know, he's recovered from from his from his hand injury. Um, but this this roster is very much untested. You know, it's not the same roster that was that went to the finals two years ago. And you know what, Chris? This is an organization that is fed off the energy of crowds just as well as anyone else in the NBA the last couple of years. There's going to be no fans there. Does that cost them a couple wins here and there? It might. And you know what? The difference between three out West and 11 out West might be a couple of games. It's going to be that tight and that close all year long, just like it has been the last couple of seasons. So I don't think you're crazy to think that. I just yeah, personally and- believe that Steph Curry is a top five player in the NBA. And those kind of players get you to the playoffs. I really do. Yeah, you really okay. So here's the thing with Steph, though, and I know he's great. I I love him as a player as well. And it's gonna be a fun team too. But you're asking a lot out of team members that are untested yet. You know, virtually that whole roster is pretty young, and you're essentially gonna have to expect Curry to bring it out every single night. I mean, yes. let's not forget he was he was playing games with the Warriors, and they were still losing games last year. I mean, before his injury. Yeah, Granted, he only played a couple games. Granted, I don't take that away. I'm just saying that this roster is different. It's not the same Warriors team. So, I mean, he played five games last year. Five. They won. Okay. They won one of them. In any case, you know, yeah, we're, I mean, we're 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 still we're still at a point in Curry's career where if he doesn't, okay, so if he doesn't make the playoffs. Is that a testament? Is, is that going to hurt his legacy at all? If he's healthy the whole year and he can't get them to the playoffs, right. of course. Assuming I would say he's healthy. yes. I would say yes, it does. Because you know what? The last couple of years with them in the finals, we considered him as the second best player in the NBA behind LeBron. And I would say if you can't get your team to the playoffs, and again, it's unproven group, but it's not a terrible group. 
Ubre can score. Wiggins is fine. Draymond Green is a three-time champion who's Excuse a defensive me? player. Did you, did you just say Wiggins is fine? You can you can get away with him being a starter on your team. You know, teams have like, gotten away with worse. We're, we're we're talking about someone who has been an efficient volume shooter throughout most of his career. Ubre had one really good year, which was last year with the Suns, um, where he was not a bench player. Um, Draymond is older. He's older. He is not the same defensive menace. I think Draymond can give you a close to elite Draymond season. I think he's got another one left in him. I really do. Okay. Close doesn't guarantee me that it'll be a playoff team, though. And and I don't think any of this is guaranteed. No, no, no. I'm sorry. None of this is guaranteed. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed, Steve. (laughs) But that's just my general observation out of the Warriors team. And I hope... Listen, having the Warriors in the playoffs is good for everybody. So, but based on my own personal analysis of this team, I don't think they'll make the playoffs. And you know what? I've poo-pooed centers for the last couple years on this show. But you know what? James Wiseman, to me, is as good of a favorite for rookie of the year as there is i think he gives him an added boost and you know what all of a sudden him getting offensive rebounds kicking it out to those three-point shooters that's something that's he not could very he could he could very well be the reason why this egg will blow up all over my face because he's the one x factor here that i'm not really accounting for um but if if he does the say if he does the things that you say he will he will help this team make the playoffs because with the current roster as constructed, you know, I'm not so confident in them making the playoffs. It's going to be super fascinating because you're going to have teams jockeying for position all year. And literally you could have a a year, uh, a week where the Pelicans are the three seed and everyone's talking about how great they are. Zion's the future. You know, you go, Oh, and three in a week and you're down to 10. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Zion, you got to get in shape and this and that. And it's it's going to be such a back and forth unique thing because it's going to change constantly. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on to another huge story that happened earlier this week was Giannis, you know, signing the Supermax extension with the Bucks, and thus ending all the rumors of him potentially going somewhere else or the Bucks even trading him. My initial reaction was, wow, like, here comes Giannis, who was born into poverty in Greece, Athens, Greece. His, his family was on food stamps, and now look at him. He, is, he has the richest contract in NBA history up to this point. I'm so happy for him, happy for his family. I mean, just to have this sort of story, rags to riches sort of deal, is, is incredibly inspiring. And not to mention, all his brothers are also uh, most uh, what two of his brothers are now in the NBA, and with the exception of Thanasis, who is in who used to play with the Knicks. Um, incredibly, I'm I'm so happy for him. Uh, but I will say though, this doesn't guarantee me that the Bucks won't trade him later on. There is a there is a trade kicker in his contract, but I think Giannis is is all that money's worth the $228 million and then some. Um, And so if he ever gets traded, he's probably worth all that and more signing the super max deal. Doesn't ensure me that he'll stay with the bucks during that whole time. It just gives 
fans maybe a little bit peace, more peace of mind tonight? A uh, couple of thoughts here. First of all, all three Tendakumbo brothers are in the NBA. Thanasis plays in Milwaukee with Giannis, and Kosas uh, plays with the Lakers. So we'll see if uh, how those guys go because they haven't gotten a lot of playing time in the last few years, and there's been this running joke that Kosas is really only on the Lakers because they're waiting for Giannis. But for me, for the Bucks organization, this means everything. This allows them to play a pressure-free season where if they get into a losing streak, you're not going to have reporters going up to Drew Holiday and go, does this mean Giannis is leaving? Does this mean Giannis is leaving? If you know they, they're playing well, they're not going to go to Giannis and be like, well, why didn't you sign the extension? Do you see your, your mindset changing about staying here? And I think it's going to be – it would have been a really tough time. It reminded me of what was going on with that 2010 Cavs team where basically it, it felt like at the time, if they don't go to the finals, if they don't win a championship, LeBron will leave. And that's exactly what happened. They lost to Boston. He rips off the jersey on the ESPN telecast in, in the playoffs, and he didn't put it on again for several more years. So I think this allows them to be pre- pressure-free. And at the same time, I think now teams like Miami, Toronto, and Dallas – all three of the Giannis expected suitors now have to find something else to do. I think Toronto is going to look internally. I think they're going to give a big deal to OG Ananobi. Uh, I think Miami, I wonder if they're going to go after James Harden. Does that make sense? Do they wait and see how it goes in Washington to see if they can pry Brad Beal away? And then Dallas, I have no feel for what they're going to do. I think it depends on how does Porzingis look. Does he come back healthy? Luca could be a guard, a point guard. He could be a forward. So you can really go out and get any kind of player to fit with him. So I think it changes the destinies of those three teams, obviously. But it's it's hard to tell what that means at this moment. Yeah, it's really tough. And but the one thing that we can say is that at least now the Bucks can can focus this year on winning a title. You know, they're the favorites once again to, to be the best team in the East and make it to the finals. Um, but in terms of Giannis, I think after seeing Wall being traded for Russell Westbrook, after seeing Blake Griffin being traded to the Pistons, anything can happen in the NBA. For now, the Bucks are probably safe with Giannis staying, you know, staying in Milwaukee, but we'll see. We'll see what time brings. I certainly think this is good for the NBA. Obviously, our show, many other shows like it, thrive on the drama, who's going where. But at the same time, it's nice to know that a small market team could draft, develop, and keep a, a superstar MVP kind of player. And, you know, obviously you, you want to see the, some of those guys move on to bigger markets like our New York Knicks. But at the same time, it does make sense that they can keep those guys once in a while, too. Uh, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. Okay, Chris, we mentioned it a little bit before, but James Harden is back. He looks like he put on some weight, Chris. Are you concerned? Um, I'm not concerned yet. His conditioning looked fine the other night. Um, but he said that he went to Vegas and he went to Atlanta because of his trainer, but clearly it seems like he hasn't. And I don't want to fat shame anybody because I, I don't know what his situation is, and he played fine the other night. Um, let's just hope that he brings it in during the regular season, and that's that. I mean, it just seems that the overall culture of the Rockets has has let him do whatever he wants. 
So I don't see that changing, A. And then B, he's not really held accountable by anybody. So I don't know. I don't that's I think maybe what he let happen is sort of a testament to his his lack of fear to the Rockets. Yeah, Chris, I think fat shaming is not the right word. I get what you're saying with that, but he's also a professional athlete. And it the way he looks and appears could make it how he plays, if I'm making any sense. Like if, does, he, yeah. if he added 10, 15 pounds here, which it looks like he may have, does that slow him down in the court? Does that allow his release on his threes to get off at the same amount of time it used to? That could drastically change a franchise. And you're talking about a guy who's making $40 million a year. He shows up late to camp. And as you said, there was no accountability for the last few years by by James Harden. And the Rockets really never asked for any. So how does this new front office reel him in and get him to be accountable? I don't know if you can. You, you can't. At this point, what are you going to say to him? Like, he's the highest paid player. You need to keep him happy. If they, ha- if they didn't suspend him now, they're not going to suspend him later. So... Um, anyway, I don't know. And the whole James Harden situation is very, very annoying for, I, I imagine for his teammates because he gets preferential treatment. I wonder how long it will take for his partnership with John Wall to, you know, hit a sour note. Here, here's a question. So we're talking about these James Harden trades. If you're Daryl Morey in Philly, if you're, uh, in Brooklyn, do you see those videos and pictures of him warming up? He looks like he gained weight, and you say, oh, I'm not trading Ben Simmons for him now. Does that change your trade offer? No. No. I would if, – if I was Philly, I would still go after James Harden, but I also have no attachment to Ben Simmons, so that's just where I stand with that. If I'm, if I'm Houston, I'm probably trading Ben Simmons – I'm trying, I'm trying trading James Harden straight up for Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons is the perfect fit – in Houston, I'd love to see him get his own team, really unlock him, and then they can move past this. But at the same time, again, that draft pick, that's going to be tough if you finish with the 12th pick in the draft and you don't have it, or the eighth pick, or the or the third pick, the fourth pick, you know, that kind of thing. So I do try we, to hold on to James we, Harden as long as you can. Do we see a situation where the Rockets just end up training him last year so that they don't, next year, so that they don't have to deal with the draft pick now? I, I, I would do that if I were them. I mean, again, it depends on, you know, how much noise he makes trying to get out of Houston. If he's yeah. crying and he's trying to sit out games, and he's saying, oh, my leg hurts when he's probably healthy. When do they say, you know what, enough? Going to the strip club. When do they say enough? And yeah. I think at this point, they've already said, quote, we're willing to get uncomfortable. And that's where we're at. So it remains to be seen. I think he starts the year as a Houston Rocket. Five yeah. days ago. No, you're right. You're right. And then uh, lastly, Chris, look, I know it's preseason. It's exciting to see our, our Knicks and other teams back. But you know what? I'm tired of people getting overhyped of what they see in the preseason, Chris. We're all we're all it's, capable of this. I've mentioned how Killian Hayes has not shot the ball well. The Knicks Twitter account is acting like they just won two straight finals appearances because they beat, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers in a preseason game. And look, don't get sucked in. Rotations change. People are trying different things. Yeah, there, there are some organizations that haven't played basketball in nine months, over nine months, Chris. So just, anything you see now, I would just throw it away. I haven't even, I'm not even watching them. Okay, Steve. Next time you just so you just finished saying 
don't get hyped over the preseason, but you also haven't seen any of the games. They don't count. These teams haven't even played. They're warming up. They're trying different things. It's the same thing with baseball spring training. It's the same thing with the NFL preseason. They don't count. It's a long okay. season. I feel you. I understand that those games don't count. But if you're a fan of the team, your your journey with the team doesn't start, for me, in the regular season. You want to see how the pieces were put together or are being in in the process of being formed together. Like last night, I was super mad. I was pissed off. I'm, you know, I was saying that the Knicks are See, garbage. That's too much. That's too wait, much. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, that they're garbage and this and this and that. I mean, the normal emotions of a Knicks fan. But here's the thing that makes me, that gives me life and kind of sort of justifies my reasoning for watching preseason games. After a while, Thibodeau just said, you know what? Screw it. Let me put the young guys, see what happens. And what I saw was beautiful basketball. How many times have you seen beautiful basketball? But you played a Cavs team. Okay. I played in nine months. Stevie, Stevie, I understand that. I get you. I get it. I get it. But just the fact that it's happening, that there's that potential with the team is noteworthy which is the only thing that you, you're getting out of this, right? Like, no one's saying that the Knicks are going to make the finals, right? I'm just saying that, wow, this team looks half decent with that lineup out there, with Emmanuel quickly. That's it. That's okay. it. And I think, I think we're allowed to make observations and say, like, oh, this is encouraging because that's what it was. What I saw before the fourth quarter was nothing short of disastrous. We couldn't shoot. We couldn't hit a three. We were like three of like seventeen. Ridiculous. And then we put in quickly, and this roster just like got another lift. Granted, we were facing the Cavaliers, but we were getting killed by by the Cavaliers. We were losing by eighteen points. I think, regardless, what we both can agree on is we're super super excited for Tuesday and Wednesday, the opening of the NBA season. We will be back on all hoops right before then to discuss the first games of the season, as well as Chris. I want to do our award picks for this upcoming season. We'll get that going. Who's our MVP? Who's our rookie of the year? Are we going to, you know, am I going to pick another Nick? I picked RJ Barrett last year. That didn't work out for RJ. Am I going to do the same thing again? We will have to wait and see, but that's going to do it here on all hoops. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, Chris, any final thoughts? No, that's it, but I'm excited for next week and excited to have basketball, meaningful basketball again. Bye, everyone.